As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Good afternoon now, folks. Uh, once again, this is part B of uh, this week's Lighting the Candle, A World That Works. I'm Bill Carell, still and again. I've got with me uh, uh, Ken Caputo and also my dear friend uh, Vanessa Lewis. And I think by now, if you've listened to any of our other podcasts, you have an idea of who we are. But I just want to remind you that we're here having a conversation. It is totally unscripted. And believe you me, it looks that way a lot. That said, our, our goal here is to maybe trip over some stuff in conversation that allows for some thinking to occur, that allows for empowerment you know, to, to come into a situation where maybe there isn't empowerment going on right now. And once again, it actually seems like it's starting to clear up a little bit out there. Do I see blue sky over in the, you know, off on the horizon? It's been a, a dreary gray day, raining, and uh, again, we're here we're here for you. We want to say some things that maybe you you might have some questions with. Don't agree with it. Agree with it. Leave comments. Tell us what you think. So with that said, Vanessa, you want to pick up from where we were on the other side? Yeah, sure. So, um, and no introductions needed, right? This time around? I think we're good. Okay. Um, So on, on the other side, we, well, our, our conversation definitely shifted, um, as they, they tend to on this on these podcasts, which is great. Uh, I hope our listeners follow along really well. Um, the we started out talking about about wisdom, and I just want to share a quote. Socrates said, "The only true wisdom is in knowing you know nothing." <laughs> and uh, I'll say it again: the only true wisdom is in knowing you know nothing. And um, that was Socrates that said that. And um, so I consider myself a, a curious person and, and um, I guess I kind of relish in the fact that I, I know nothing. <laughs> um, what we were talking about originally though, where the, where the conversation shifted is And how I'm now trying to relate it back to where we started, 
in talking about wisdom is uh, culturally there are art forms, um, there are books, there's music, there's movies, somehow, and, and there's even ideas, ideologies that, that start to resonate with every generation. Um, and Bill was saying that he, uh, he was saying, you know, how is it that, that young kids today tend to like the same kind of music, for example, that, that he did when he was the age of, of a kid today that likes his music, like say any music from the 60s. How is it that all of a sudden, you know, Jimi Hendrix is, is, is cool among kids today who are 16 and 17 years old? And he was obviously cool with kids who were 16 and 17 years old when he was out and alive and um, just hit the scene. And that's just one example, but and the other thing is, and guys, stop me if I'm getting off subject at all. I'm trying to stay on the track here. Um, but no, never mind. I was going to quote another, another, another thing that Bill said. Um, if, if, well, you, I'll just if you, you want a handshake, what I'll do is I'll just toss in. Do you know how Socrates died? Go ahead. Tell talking me. about the power being in the listening. Say that again? You know how Socrates met his demise. He was, arrested, he was arrested by the powers that be in Athens, Greece, and he was put to trial, uh, and he was accused of demagoguery um, to the detriment of the youth of the, uh, of the city of Athens, of the state, the city-state of Athens, and he was sentenced to death by drinking hemlock. So, yes. So I'm saying to you, by accident, you I, I think came up with some evidence that the power is in the listening, and how things are being listened, and who's doing what with those. I think is a very, very interesting thing to step back and take a look at. And you stop and think about how much Socrates and the Socratic method and all those sorts of things are in all of our, our culture now. We don't have any real evidence or proof that the guy ever existed other than you know the writings of other people uh, that were around from his time and books that have been attributed to him and Plato and other great, great thinkers. But as we're looking at the whole notion, we went from wisdom to what what is wisdom what started out as being a very wise man being a great educator and teacher and being out on the skinny branches in terms of the possibility of, of, of being for for human beings to him then being a heretic and being accused of, of stealing uh the minds of the youth of, of the city state of athens kind of interesting Yeah, I agree. I think that is interesting. I think it's interesting how it, <laughs> it it's also an example yes. of how, how, you know, what we were just talking about, how, how is it that quote from people thousands of years ago resonate with us today? Now, is that because these quotes happen to 
our wisdom, you know, innate wisdom. I think it's similar to, you know, I mean, the question becomes even like with the music, what, what is it about that form of art expressed in that way that touches something that's shared with other people that are afflicted with this condition we call being human, you know, mm -hmm. and, and that's really all it is, you know, and it's very interesting, like, you know, the Socrates thing, I mean, you know, so he presented something that obviously felt threatening, you know, and other people who were threatened by that did something about it, <laughs> you know, I mean, and that's, that's part of the human condition too. We, we go into a protective mode if we feel that something's going to change in a way that's going to present a danger to us or to others that are in our circle of protection, it's tribal, you know, so so yeah, I mean that that would be my thought. And and the, and the last thing, I'm I'm sure. I, I I would bet. That Socrates really doesn't, wouldn't would not have cared whether he was ever remembered, or attributed to anything as long as the work survived, and made a difference. You know that was just not relevant. You Seems know like he got that done, Ken. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So mission accomplished. So whatever, you know, we all die. So, you know, it was just a, when it was his time, if, if he planted those seeds and they, they grew, you know, then that's, that's, that's it. Yeah. <laughs> you have to remember, I kind of summarized his entire life in three or four sentences. There's a whole yeah. lot on there. And oh yeah, I know you and I share uh, a, a love of the classics and uh, mm -hmm. you know, the, the original thinking. Uh, that we think we have at this day and age is just coming to bear in each each cultural episode of, of, of advancing when the people are, are tired of listening to the program and they start thinking for themselves the next logical step is holy mackerel this this kind of occurs to me as a neat idea and then go find out gee whiz it was been done over and over and over again in every tradition on the planet from the mm -hmm. to, you know to the Inca uh, empire to Rome and Greece, etc. So we were also talking in the last segment about uh, echo chambers and kind of the uh, the litmus test for are you or are you not experiencing life in a an echo chamber. And I'm offering what if you know the access to thinking for yourself has less to do with being able to uh, parrot other truisms and more to do with asking questions about what you're hearing you know and so the, the next question is is what if any evidence do you see in this day and age that there are people that are questioning certain behaviors that there are people that are actually um, not adding or piling on with evidence that something is or isn't going a particular way, but if how many people are actually standing up and saying, stop the music, what is going on? What actually, what the Dickens is actually going on around here? There's lots of people doing that. Yeah, no, there's, it's, they're just, they're just doing the work. They're not, trying to it's like if someone's drowning in three feet of water 
you can't yell in their face to just put their feet on the ground. They can't hear that, you know? So, so you got to figure out how to get their feet on the ground. You know, I mean, that's, it's, so they're not trying to outshout. They're not arguing or debating. They're just doing the work, you know? So at least the ones that, that I talk to, that's what they're doing. And, and, you know, and they're just, they don't get overly excited about the noise. It's just, it's just symptomatic and they're more interested in you know, their symptomatic expressions. They're more interested in treating the disease, you know, but the other thing that was interesting to talk about listening. And one of the things we teach the kids is to listen inside and out. So, you know, so for example, someone tells you, you have a limiting belief. What's your relationship to that statement? Do you get defensive? Do you push against it? Or like if I said that to my mentor, he'd say, well, of course I do. <laughs> we all do. I am ignorant. And on every level, I'm ignorant. And that's, he doesn't judge that as a bad thing. He just sees that as human, you know? So when someone, when you hear something that comes in, you know, if you go back to the curiosity, you listen to how you feel about that thing and then get curious about why you feel that way about that thing. Now that dissolves a lot of that tension and resistance, you know, that happens. Again, powerful listening. Yeah. Whatever comes out of your mouth about me is a co contribution, no matter how it sounds to me. If you kind of start off with that premise and you go and invite people, you know, to say what's on their mind and on their heart, most of the time in my experience, Ken, they're not talking about you as much as they're talking about themselves. You know, yep. the perception and how they are hearing and what they're left with is personal. And as far as they know, it's the truth. It's mm -hmm. it is. So the neat thing about, you know, when we're talking about um, the power being in the listening, and I'm posing this as a question. If the conversation persists and the conversation is continued and there's a demand for the whatever is coming, you know, from from a source and that source gets replicated and the source becomes amplified and there are more people being drawn to listening to the conversation or music or whatever it is, then there's also money that flows to it as long uh, uh, along with energy, along with all sorts of different things. And what's really interesting is, is that at some point, the being famous and being listenable at some level now becomes monetized. And we have a generation of people who are no longer listening critically to the words in a rap song. They're not listening critically, you know, as they're watching someone who makes a hundred million to uh, you know five hundred million a year on Instagram, and watching them change the color of their shoes so that millions of other people will go do the same thing, just kind of wonder, you know, how would we take that kind of leverage, that kind of mechanism, and use it for the empowerment and use it for the upgrading of all people in the United States, for example. Was it, was Dale Carnegie the one that said uh, he committed the first half of his life to accumulating wealth and the second half to giving it away? 
I can't remember if that was Dale Carnegie. Wasn't or Dale? Whatever. It was An Andrew Carnegie. I Andrew Carnegie. Okay. Okay. If it was, if it was one of those titans. Yeah. I, would yeah. Be, but I can't tell you for sure. I've heard that said several times. Yeah, and you know, I mean, it's it's an, it's an interesting thing how you know, I mean, your money is just energy, and really, what it comes down to is your relationship with it. You know, do you, if you're coming from a place of feeling that you need to hoard it to hold on to it, to protect it, then you're going to have one way of expressing, it's going to express one way, you know, and if it's something you want to, you know, divert into a flow that, you know, if your center of gravity, I guess, I'll explain it this way, if your center of gravity is more towards a we than an I, you're going to have one relationship with it. If your center of gravity is more towards the I than the we, you're going to have another relationship with it. And that is not a fixed point it can oscillate and shift throughout your life so you see it all the time you're focused on work 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 and then when your kids get sick all of a sudden work isn't the thing you're going to focus on you just shift instantly you know to to a, a new paradigm you know so so yeah so i don't know I, it just like i said it just comes i think it always comes back to for each of us um making some decisions as to who we want to be in the world and then as events move to and through us you know do the best we can to stay focused on who we choose to be and how we choose to express what's what's given to us Vanessa, yeah exactly <laughs> yeah no that's awesome um i was just I was just looking up, so yes, it was Andrew Carnegie. You guys are right, that said that quote. Um, I spent the first half of my life making money and the second half of my life giving it away to do the most good and the least harm. So that's pretty cool. I'm glad you brought up that quote. Um, well, I I'll tell you, it's uh, just okay. uh, let me just share one more thing, Vanessa, um, with that. That's, um, you know, it's, it's, for me, that helped change my relationship with money. And what I learned was I can't actually help like as a business owner, if I don't generate revenue, I can't really help. Mm -hmm. I can only, I only have so much I can give away of my time and knowledge without, you know, basically accumulating some energy, some, some wealth. And then I can do things like pay off school lunch debt and sponsor little league teams. But if the money doesn't come in, I can't redistribute it, you know? And so that was an interesting, yeah, so that quote always stuck with me and kind of made it okay. I had trouble with making money, you know, like the thought of making money and, you know, when other people didn't have as much. So if you see yourself as a focal point to where you can, you can benefit others through that accumulation, that's a different thing. It's all about your relationship to whatever it is that's important to you. Yep. <laughs> Again, I wonder if people are looking to distinguish what's important to them. And in many cases, what they're, what they're looking for is being answered by someone else. And the answer sometimes doesn't turn out to be the answer that really is what's important to them. So a lot of the statements that I make are really questions. I, I mean, I don't know anything. 
However, if you stop, if you stop and think about what's true for you, the different episodes of your life. And again, I like how you say, you know, the leaning towards I or we is going to give you a very different perspective and a different experience of life and probably, you know, a different set of outcomes, you know, potentially. So I, I really do wonder at this, this point in time, I don't know anybody else that's engaging in this question right at the moment. Do you? Uh, ask that again. Well, let's put it to you this way. Let's just say, what if you held um, a contest and you asked a question and you got 150 million people involved in it and half of the people said, this is the answer. And the other half of the people said, this is the answer. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. What does that tell you? If anything. Tells me that you, tells me that you need to ask a better question. <laughs> <laughs> Just means that you're not asking a good enough question. You didn't go deep enough. You know, you didn't find that common reason we all love the music, you know? That's all. And probably the person who asked the question, their center of gravity is a little more towards the I instead of the we. So, so on some level, you know, so whether they know it or not. Interesting. Vanessa? Still processing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this, this is us, folks. Uh, we're not looking for answers here as much as we are engaging and, you know, kind of dwelling in the question. What does it mean? What does it mean to live your life from, yeah, this is what my friends are doing. I get it. To... Yeah. <clears throat> is there more after okay. that? <laughs> no, I was just going to say, though, you know, for our listeners, if you're, you know, ever watching this on, on Facebook and there's a comment 
uh, space below. You know, if you have any questions that come up as we're asking these questions, you know, because because Bill's exactly right. We we come in, and, and Ken said it too. We come in and we just sort of dwell in these questions, and then you know, as we speak about answers by just offering up our own opinions based on our own knowledge and perhaps our our own sources of wisdom, and then other questions come about. And so, you know, if you, our listeners, are hearing, are, are coming across any questions, you know, feel free to ask them as well. And we'll just kind of add it into the pot and, um, and, and stir it around and, and just, you know, see what else comes up. Um, I think really, you know, to, I can be a big picture thinking, thinker sometimes. And, um, and I think that, that, that's what this is all coming down to. We're coming up with these these questions just to ask better questions and, and really deep down we may not ever have the answer. And that's exactly what we were talking about when we started out, especially in our first um, our, our segment just before this, we were talking about um, what wisdom is. And many years ago, I remember someone saying, and it was really kind of at the, the start when, when social media was really starting to to heat up, um, and they were they were saying that we're we are drowning. It's been said that we're in the information age, and we are drowning in, in knowledge. You can get knowledge on anything. You want to learn how to shoot bow and arrow? You go on YouTube. You want to learn how to fix, you know, do your own oil change on your car? Go on YouTube, or you know, or well, that's the most that's the more popular one now for getting our information. We just learn through videos, but you know, you want to find out like last week I was, I was doing um, research on um, the civil war. So I, I put type in my Kindle and I have all these books that come up, all these articles that come up through Google. I can find out anything I want to. And um, we, we want to learn how to speak a foreign language. I know I'm going on and on, but my point is, we have no limit to finding knowledge if we want to. It's out there. And that's a blessing in many ways. But maybe it's also a curse. So this, I didn't finish the quote I was saying earlier, but this person said, and they were a very spiritual person, and they said, we are drowning in information, but we're starved for wisdom. And so perhaps that lays out another question for us now but you know we're we're inundated with access to be able to learn anything that we want it's a it's it's a candy store for me because i'm the curious one but at what point do we stop asking the question and find the answer Another question, Vanessa, is at what point do we start asking questions as opposed to finding answers? So, right, Bill. So in that case, do we just give up on trying to find an answer and just accept that we just will find more questions, especially because what we're talking about, maybe what we're talking about will never completely have answers. And that's okay. I'm okay with that. I love all these questions that come about. You know, I love when Ken mentions a, a quote from, from his mentor or um, shares an experience 
from that. By the way, I'd love to meet your mentor, Ken. <laughs> he sounds yes, amazing. Yes, you would. <laughs> <laughs> He's very meetable. Um, what's that? I said he is very meetable. He's a just a genuinely great. Okay, but um, yeah, you know, I mean, just 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 that fact, you know, and and when when Bill very often brings you know brings up a a, a um a piece of art, you know, a movie that he saw or a song that he he's, he brings to mind the lyrics from something we were talking about. And I just love that, and it just it creates it creates more questions. I think our our biggest question is is why, and I think that's what we're all trying to answer why. <laughs> and uh, it's almost like we get into the existential sometimes. Um, so, hey, so I, what, what, I, what my mentor shared with me was. Um, we already know the answer. The answers are known. It's just getting to the place where we recognize what that answer is. You know, I mean, no one discovered gravity. It was always there. It's just at some point, someone decided to start figuring out how to understand it. And, and I think the, the challenge with all the information, it's kind of like if you, you have a problem in your business and you sit there and you have 50 meetings talking about the problem, you're, you're never going to solve it. At some point, you just have to do something and be okay with not being right. In fact, you know, what's best is to test it, figure out what doesn't work about it, and then recalibrate and just keep repeating that process, you know, and it's just, you, I, I, I mean, you know, I've never met a wise person. I've met people who are committed to the path of wisdom, you know, um, so it's all a process. And so any answer you have that you get is going to be temporary anyway, because it's just going to change your perspective and then it'll reveal more questions. So, you know, so trying to find answers to me seems like a sort of a waste of time. And instead it's just, just continuing to be in a place of curiosity and discovery, you know? Uh, completely, completely agree. And let me just back up to the internet model. Um, if you stop when you get to your first YouTube video about changing your oil, that may or may not give you the information of the leads that you have to disconnect from your sensor in order and to reset it after the, uh, the oil's been changed. And also, if you look on the page where you searched for changing the oil on the car or changing the oil on the, your model of car or your model of the car of the year, uh, and whatever size engine it is, you can come up with thousands of different answers to the question. That in itself is very overwhelming. And mm -hmm. it also kind of, in my opinion, opinion, it also demonstrates the point that most folks are interested in an answer. And most folks, it's like, they, you know, why are your keys always in the last place you look? You know? For most people, finding the key or the keys wherever they left them is, 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 I mean, that's what their life is about, as opposed to going to the next step and always putting their keys in the same place. Just a little small shift in terms of taking an unempowering situation and turning it into one where you now have some stability. 
know, in that little small crevice in your life called where are my keys? But I always enjoyed that. Why is whatever you're looking for in the last place that you look? Because people stop looking for physical objects. They stop looking for answers to questions the same way in many cases, I say. And the fun begins when people say, well, yes, Anne, that's a good answer. And, and what if that, yeah. and what does that, where does that bring us when we look beyond that first answer? Yes, I agree. Yes, and instead of yes, but. Exactly. So I will share. Just, no, find it. Go ahead. I was just going to say, when I went, when I showed up for uh, University of, of, of Colorado all those years ago, um, I was in a class where they were talking about the, uh, the body of knowledge at that time was doubling every 25 years. This is 1972. And that that was twice as fast as it was in 1955, which was twice as much as it was in 1900. So by the time I started my business, the body of knowledge in 1990 was doubling every, every two years. This is what's possible to be known, what's being documented and codified all across the, uh, the world, you know, language, et cetera, et cetera, doubling every single year. And then now we're talking about it doubling at the rate of, uh, of, of months simply because there's just so much out there. We have AI, we have all of these things where we just give them, give you know, artificial intelligence an issue that we want them to dive into, and then we step back and let them go. And not only are they creating answers, they're creating questions, and they're creating you know, ways to, to, to self-improve on the code that they're, that they're operating with. It's a very interesting time to be a human being and take a moment, mm -hmm. you know? Sometimes mm -hmm. what, you, what you wanna concentrate on is not what's going on way out there, but what's going on right around here. What if you, if you can focus on that and get a sense of well-being out of creating a safe space for yourself to operate in where you go and what you do as a routine? What if? Can I ask a question? You just did. You want to ask another one? <laughs> Go ahead, Vanessa. <laughs> yeah, well, if someone talk about quotes earlier, there's, there's a business quote that says, um, the person who asked, who discovered the problem is the one most likely to solve it. Have you guys heard that quote before? Yep. Okay. I don't know who it's attributed to. No idea. <laughs> no, okay. But it makes sense, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. I feel like it's wrong with what someone was saying earlier about, you know, the answer. Maybe deep down, and then this is what taps into, again, the discussion about wisdom is, is deep down, we all have the answers. Mm -hmm. It's just they're buried. Um, they're buried. These are questions. I don't know. <laughs> well, it's a, you know, there, there, um, there's a, a filter between us and the wisdom, you know, the, the answer. So, and it, there's all these filters. Some of them we create ourselves, some are created by other people. So it's like piercing through all of these illusions that we surround ourselves with, you know, that's just part of being human. 
but it's funny. So I had a question, Bill, like if you're, um, uh, right, I'm just going to say my question. What, mm -hmm. what qualities could 80% of us agree we could value in our political leadership? So instead of thinking about your, your platform or your stance or, you know, just talking about the, the person, are, are there, are there any qualities that 80% of the population could agree with that we would all value in political leadership? So you would come up with a really meaty question right at the top of the hour. <laughs> How about put this in as a jumping off for the next time? I yeah. absolutely love the question. And again, I'm going to restate what I think I heard, which is what are the qualities that 80% of us could agree on we would want to have present in our political leadership? Yeah. And it's probably more not even what are they, but are there? I mean, is there even, is there literally one thing, even one that 80% of us, no, I'm not saying everyone, because no matter what you do, 20 to 30% are just going to disagree because they can, <laughs> you know, for whatever reason. So, you know, so, and I, to me, it's less about even knowing what that is. It's just, again, asking a better question. So now you're not, you know, you're, you're going a layer deeper. You're thinking about the the type of human that we believe and could learn to trust could be successful in that role, you know? So I like, I don't want someone running my restaurant if they're an unsanitary slob, you know, I don't care how good a cook they are. If they're going to kill my customers, I don't want them, you know? So there's like certain qualities that are more important about them as the person than the skills that they have. You know, so that's where that question came from. As I've been thinking about for the last 20 minutes, like what's a better question in that, you know, specific environment. So that was all I could come up with right now. <laughs> so Vanessa, while, we, while you're saying goodbye, would you have another question to, 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 to add on top of that one as a standing on the shoulders of Ken's question? What qualities could 80% of the population agree with in political leadership? But then you mentioned you had an example about, um, about a non-political leadership with the, with the restaurant owner. Um, so, so, it's, so, so, so it's interesting that you asked about our political leadership instead of just asking about our leader in general unless you're thinking that political leadership would indicate, you know, obviously the landscape we're in right now, but, and, you know, the thinking that a lot of us have right now, but also because leading a country is such a big responsibility. Is that yeah, kind of where was, you're going with that? Um, it was more, you know, Bill had said, you know, what do we do about the fact that, you know, we had kind of 50, you look at the vote, you know, you obviously have a very polarized vote as it relates to, electing mm -hmm. the person that we believe can lead our country moving forwards. So, you know, so I was trying to think of a, a question that goes beneath that. I mean, you know, we are where we are right now. However, where are we going to be in four years? You know, what's the, mm -hmm. what are the actions, what are the better questions that can be asked now that could create space for better decisions to be made 
you know, in the years to come, you know, so, so I was thinking literally in terms of, you know, political elections and yeah. that whole process, you know, so, but yeah, I mean, we could, we could go much broader than that. Absolutely. I was just being, trying to be a little bit specific and that was what I came up with. No, I think, I think it's a great question. I do. Um, and I think our listeners would have a lot to say about it for sure. Uh, they could so. offer up their opinions. Well, and the best but, thing, is, you know, a good question when it leads to uh, engaged conversation and vigorous mm -hmm. debate <laughs> and disagreement, healthy disagreement. All those things are good signs that you're onto something. <laughs> That's part of the sausage making process, as they say. But the real <laughs> proof of the pudding is in the eating. Okay, and the actions that come after all of whatever that energy was. And if we can, let me just go back to our friend, that poor, that poor sod Socrates. <laughs> we had a student that you may have heard of as well, whose name was Plato. Mm -hmm. And Plato was, uh, he had an ambition to be a great, a, a great playwright and, and to write great oratory, you know, for the entertainment of the, the people of Athens. And after uh, Socrates' ex execution, he was inspired to pitch all of that and devote himself to philosophy. And funny enough, we all get to read all of that good stuff thousands of years later. So with all of that in mind, let's leave the, the, the thought out there. What's a better question that you can ask about anything that doesn't seem to be going quite right? With that said, we'll say our goodbyes and thank you for watching Lighting the Candle, A World That Works. Bye-bye. Adios, everyone. Bye, everyone. See you next time. You've been listening to Lighting the Candle, A World That Works, part of the Exvadio Podcast Network. You can hear us at exvadio.com slash podcasts, Apple Podcasts app, Google Play, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, and wherever you find podcasts. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, 
and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.